Well, hello there. My name is Jan Burt, and this is my podcast, The Burt Not Ernie Show, where we talk about God's promises and the hope those promises bring to our everyday lives. Whenever I meet somebody new, I introduce myself as Jan Burt and say, like Burt and Ernie, since it's easy to confuse my last name with a different one. And almost always, people smile when they think of Burt and Ernie. That got me thinking. I'm a Burt, and I'm not an Ernie. But how often do we live as if we're someone God never meant for us to be? Part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Hence the name, The Burt Not Ernie Show. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into God's promises. Well, hello again, everybody. Welcome back to The Burt Not Ernie Show for episode number 67. Uh, You know, this podcast, it's brought to you today by a lady, me, who loves Jesus and just wants to glorify him by getting his word, his promises into his people, one podcast episode at a time, one blog post at a time, one social media post, one prayer, one text, one letter, one email, one book at a time. And uh, who am I? I'm Jan Elbert, author of The Power of God's Will, 40 Days of God's Promises devotional, which is available on Amazon. And I am really so very glad that you are here today. So uh, if you were here for episode 66, you might remember that we took a look at Deuteronomy. And I mentioned that we were going to move straight into the very next book in the Bible uh, for this episode. And that would be the book of Joshua. Just, you know, turn a few pages, boom, and you're right there. Joshua, um, it's an amazing book. It's incredible. If you have not read it in a while or possibly have never, ever read it, you know, a lot of people don't read that much of the Old Testament, and that happens for a lot of reasons. But I have learned so, so much about who God is, who he truly is, who my God, who your God actually truly is in the Old Testament. It's like there is a wealth there waiting to be mined. And it's a really wonderful book, the book of Joshua is. So if you haven't read it, I would encourage you to go ahead and dive in and read it. You will probably be surprised. It's a great book. So we're going to be in Joshua chapter 8, verse 18, verse 18, and we're going to read from the Amplified today. All right, here we go. Joshua 8.18 from the Amplified says this, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Reach out with the spear that is in your hand and point it toward Ai, for I will give it into your hand. So Joshua reached out with the spear in his hand and pointed it toward the city. Okay, so maybe this doesn't sound like it's a verse that's filled with promise. You know, maybe there are some other verses I've mentioned on the show before that you're like, yeah, I hear the promise right away in that verse as you read it, Jan. But wow, this one, I don't, where's the promise? That's okay. Look, I'm getting close to 50, right? Like my age in years. And the older I grow, the more I read my Bible, the more I see God's hope, his love, his promises, and just so many more verses than I did, say, the first time or the second time or the 10th time I read through the Bible. The more I read it, the more I see the hope he has for us all over all over the Bible, not just in the big verses that, you know, the, the the verses that are quoted the most or that are the most um, Instagramable. You can hop on over to Canva and make a really pretty image and share that. I, I see them. I, of course, his promises are there, but I see them in these other places that might seem a little bit more obscure. The older I get, the more I read through my Bible. So for you, don't be surprised if all of a sudden one day, some verse just really jumps out at you and encourages you in a in a remarkable way. And you're like, wow, where did that come from? 
that, you know, that's totally normal, actually. It shouldn't be an abnormality. It should be the norm for all of us. So when it comes to the Bible, I think it's really safe to say that we can expect the unexpected. And very often the verses that bless us the most, that speak to our exact circumstances the most, they're not the verses that we would have guessed would have that exact kind of impact. It's remarkable to me to read um, what the Lord is saying here. In this verse, the Lord is talking to Joshua, and we get to kind of uh, step into this conversation that the Lord God Almighty, who sits enthroned, the one who is, who was and is and is to come, what he is saying to Joshua at this critical juncture in Joshua's life as he is the leader of a vast number of people who are going to have to go in and and do battle, do real battle. And they're not warriors because they've been raised in the wilderness. You you probably know this already, right? They spent 40 years in the desert and all of those who walked in unbelief died off. Uh, so this is a whole new generation of people who they weren't born into slavery and they weren't born into full freedom, the fullness of the promised land. They weren't taught and trained to fight. They're not really um, weaponized, so to speak. They were born in the desert. They'd only seen God's provision. Like they'd only seen God's provision. Think about that. The pillar moves or the, the fire moves. We move. It stops. We stop. You get up in the morning and there's manna for breakfast and God's provided enough for the day. And on, on the last day of the week, he provides twice as much so that on the Sabbath day, we can have a Sabbath rest. Wow. That's what they grew up with. So Joshua's got to lead these people. There are only two people left alive from the prior years who saw, who were born into slavery and who lived through the deliverance and saw what God did there and who went in and checked out the land and came back with a good report. That's Joshua and Caleb, two dudes out of, uh, look, it's a lot. If I say a million people, I'm not exaggerating in the least. He's got to lead these people. And so in this, um, lead them into something totally new. Okay. Are you heading into something totally new? Has God put someone to be your leader? Can I just encourage you to support them, to trust them, to pray for them, um, to encourage them and to not back down in fear. If, especially when you know, God has said, we're going this way and this is the leader I'm to follow because this role is tough and they need support, not questioning and challenging. Trust me. Okay. So Joshua is, he's, he's, um, getting a word from the Lord as he heads into, wow, what could potentially be, this is just a big deal. I don't even know how to say it to, to frame it so that I can explain how big a deal this is. This is crazy. Now, yes, they'd already been taking some Jericho had already fallen and, and all of that, but this is God speaking directly to Joshua about the next trial. Okay. So yes, you need to reflect on what has happened. Yes, you need to remember God's amazing provision and um, all the things he's done and have faith that he will continue to be faithful, true, a good God as he leads you. But it also isn't terrible to want the Lord to speak to you about this next thing, right? We don't want to rest on our laurels when it comes to the conversation we have with God. We want to keep conversing with God. He's a living God. When Jesus said, is he God of the dead or, or also of, of the living? You know, he was saying that you get, he was making the point that we get to live eternally with the Lord. We don't die and then it's over. We have life after this life, but he was also making the point that this is, we need to not treat God like a dead God. Does that make sense? Like keep this relationship alive and living. He's not a dead God. He's alive. He's alive in us via the Holy Spirit. So we need to 
remember that it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to, um, you know, I've heard it. I've heard people shame for like, well, why do you need a fresh word from the Lord? Well, I just want to hear from him as often as I can about anything and everything. And I just don't know why that ever is treated as a bad thing in the body of Christ. I get some of the, the, the side shoots and the rabbit trails that people can go on with that. But, um, and I also get not wanting to add to the word of God, right? Not have some special revelation that nobody else ever got that here's some new doctrine or I'm not talking about that. We don't, as Paul said, you know, we don't need someone laying down a different Jesus, a different doctrine. We don't need to pick that up. People are going to lay it down. We don't need to pick it up. I'm not talking about showboating and you want people to follow you. And so you got this special word from the Lord and they really just need to be following Jesus. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Why would I not want to hear from the Lord when I'm in the word of God every day? I want the word of God to speak to me, to change me in my inner being. I want it to make a difference. I want to pray. I want to trust and I want to grow. And it's going to be hard to do that if I feel like I'm never hearing from the Lord or if I feel shamed for wanting to hear from the Lord. Of course, I want to hear from him. He's my personal living savior. I want to talk to him. And that means like conversation, right? Not talk at him, talk with him. Okay, so here we kind of get a step in and have this remarkable moment with Joshua and the Lord. And it kind of, well, it stops me in my tracks a little bit when I see the Lord speaking to anyone in God's word. Like we should always slow down and say, this is a big deal. Let me just really not just breeze past this too quick, but actually read it and not read it and be thinking about my to-do list or read it while I'm scrolling Instagram or read it. Let me read it. And let me really read it and see what it says. Um, and I don't think Joshua took this lightly. Obviously, right? God is speaking to him about something crazy important. He's not taking it lightly. So I think the sum total of Joshua's life proves that he did not ever take lightly the things of the Lord. Joshua was a listener. He listened well to his God. But starting off this verse with those words, then the Lord said to Joshua, makes it super personal. So don't forget, God is a personal God for you and for me. Then next, the Lord tells Joshua to take the spear that was already in his hand and stretch it out toward Ai. So Ai was the city that they were going to need to take in battle militarily next in their conquest of the promised land. So, um, you know, the Lord may tell us at times to pick something up. He may tell us at times to lay something down. He is our God. He is both Lord and Savior. So he has the right of way in every aspect of our lives, right? Does God have the right of way in your life in every area? I hope so. If not, man, just yield to him, yield to him and give him the right of way. So yeah, he can say, pick up this and lay down that and so on. But he also will at times ask you to use what is already in your hand. This is a biblical concept. He did this with Moses. He did this with Joshua. This is a biblical concept. He did it with Peter. You know, when when somebody, um, I think it's the beginning of Matthew chapter 18, or maybe the end of chapter 17, but I think it's 18. And uh, the temple tax, uh, someone was asked, they asked Peter, do you and your, you know, your, your master, talking about Jesus, do you pay the temple tax or not? And Peter said yes, and then he goes back to where they were staying at that time. And before he even says anything, Jesus says to him, you know, Peter, is it who pays the tax? Is it the sons or is it the subjects in a kingdom? And Peter says, well, it's the subjects, of course. And Jesus says, that's right. But so that we don't offend them, 
so that no one has a reason to take offense at us, because this is the temple tax. This isn't a tax to Rome. This is the temple tax that was laid out in the Old Testament about how to, you know, maintain it. It takes money to maintain something like a temple, right? And if it's important, we'll put our money there. Um, but the Lord had to enact a law because man and their flesh, you know, we're just, uh, we're greedy by nature. I'm speaking for all of us, I think, when I say that in some arena, one way or another, we're greedy. So this, so Jesus was like, so we don't offend them. You are a son. You're not the servant in this whole, in this new kingdom you're in, but so we don't offend them. Just go fish, go, go catch a fish. And in that fish, you're going to find a coin and it'll be enough. I think it was a whole denarius and it was, that was enough to pay the half denarius tax, half for Peter and half for Jesus to make, to pay for both of them. Right? So what was already in Peter's hand before the Lord called him? He was a fisherman. So he said, just go fish and you'll have your provision there. It's not uncommon for the Lord to say, what's in your hand, right? So um, what was in, what was in Joshua's hand a spear? What's in your hand? You know, God may be asking you to use what is already in your hand. What is in your hand today? For me, it's often a book or a pen. Um, and so what do I do? I use words because I read a lot. I use words in a podcast. I use words when I when I post something. I use words when I speak. Um, I mean, I have opportunity to speak very soon to a, a group of women kind of for a Bible study, a live event. That's going to be great. Words. Books are wordy, right? I write books. A pen. I write a lot. Uh, for most of us, a phone is in our hands a lot. And I'm not sure that's God's very best for his dearly loved children, you know, to be like mind linked and sucked into a device all the live long day. Uh, but at times, yes, the phone in your hand, send a text message. It may be the thing that God wants to say, what's in your hand. Other times you might say, what's in your hand? Can you put that down for a while? That's been in your hand a lot lately. So, um, you know, so don't just automatically, if I say what's in your hand, say, oh, my phone, hold tight for a second and ask the Lord if the phone were not in your hand all the time, then what would be in your hand? I'm not knocking anybody here. I'm as guilty as the next person. And I pretty much always know where my phone is. Um, although sometimes I have been known to go run errands or just take a long drive, like a time to pray and just listen to the Lord. And I leave it at home on my desk on purpose. Can you even imagine that? It's pretty cool. You should try it sometime. If you haven't done that in a while, go ahead and give it a whirl. Um, and I can remind myself that there was a time that we lived just fine. Thank you very much without access to a phone. Remember pay phones, find a phone booth, have some quarters on hand. Yeah, I wasn't afraid to drive across the country without a cellular device. So I remember um, it being referred to like this, answer the phone, not let me check my phone. Do you remember the phone? The phone versus my phone, that's a different era. Think about that for a second. It was the phone, the family phone. It wasn't mine. It wasn't mine. There's a difference there. I would love to go back to saying the phone, not my phone. Okay. Um, and now and then, uh, I like to go backwards a bit, go old school. You know, the old guard, leave my phone by the wayside. So no judgment from me on this, but I do caution you from thinking that the automatic answer to the question, what is in your hand is my phone. Only allow that to be the answer if the Lord makes it really super duper clear that that is the answer he wants you to give. Think about what might be in your hand if your phone wasn't. Okay, so Joshua's answer would have been, obviously, the verse tells us the answer, a spear. So what is the spear that's in your hand today? Would you say, what would you, what would you say? Okay, let me rephrase that. What would you say is a key part, an integral part of who you are? who you really are, not maybe who you've been told you are, not who you feel like there's some expectation on you to be, not who you want to be, 
not maybe even who you present on the Instagram. What is the sphere you're already holding, a part of who you are, your God-created identity that is intended by him to be used for his kingdom purposes? Are we taking the things, all the varied and beautiful and amazing things that are in all of our varied and beautiful and amazing lives, are we pointing them at the enemy and then seeing God move there, like right there? Are we doing that? Does that sound like, whew, way out there, completely over my head, what are you talking about? Or does it kind of get you a little bit excited? Like, yeah, yeah, yes, I am here to make a kingdom difference. And look, your kingdom difference doesn't have to be 10,000 people. If your kingdom difference is one, is that not enough? Is that not really, truly good? It is. I'm here to tell you it absolutely is. Never think that if your influence is just on one, that it doesn't matter. It matters more than you'll ever, ever know. And you're here to make a kingdom difference, right? Can you say, yeah, I'm here to make a kingdom difference. And so is she. And so is he. And so is my small group. And so is my BFF. And, and, and. Because you really are. I promise if nobody's told you that in a while, you are here to make a difference. I'm telling you, if you know Jesus personally, then you're here to make a difference. And if any part of you kind of um, feels like, meh, meh, Jan's a little off today in this episode. She's reaching here. I don't think all this, um, I don't think all of us are here to make a difference. That's too sweeping. That's too broad a statement. Well, I would point you to the New Testament book of John, chapters 14, 15, 16 specifically, but say just read John 15. You know, I think it. I can convince you per the word of God that you, you're just going to have a hard time reading that and not seeing that you and all who are in Christ are here to make a difference for the kingdom of God. You matter. She matters. He matters. We all matter in the kingdom. Impacting one, impacting a million, it matters. It's not beyond you because Jesus said that's the way it ought to be. Joshua had a call in his life. He had a calling, right? Now, if you're wondering, um, how do I find my calling? How do I find my calling, Jan? Well, I'll tell you, the New Testament doesn't talk about, or the Old Testament doesn't talk a whole lot about finding your calling. That's just something that we've come up with to kind of um, describe what we all are longing for. But I'm going to tell you, how do you find what God wants you to do? How do you find what you're called to do? You follow Jesus, pick up your cross, and you follow Jesus, and you'll know what to do next. The Word of God tells you so much. The New Testament tells you so much about following Jesus, fully following him. That means uh, walk away from what was your old pre-Christ, pre-Jesus life, pick up your cross. And for each of us, it's a different thing. And Jesus said, you need to do it. So you need to do it and follow him and just follow him to the next thing and the next thing. That's actually what your calling is. What's your calling? To pick up your cross and follow Jesus. What's my calling? To pick up my cross and follow Jesus. So you have a calling. That is your calling. Joshua had a calling to follow the Lord. And at this moment in time, it was to take AI. And before you take AI, you take your hand, what's in your hand, and you hold out that spear and you point it toward the enemy. Okay, so we have a calling. When it was time to step up, Joshua did it. Now, I don't see a lot of evidence in my Bible, and well, I have a lot of translations, a lot of Bibles in any of the Bibles that I own, that he was trying to step up before it was time. I don't see that. There's not evidence for that. But every time it was time, he was right there. Joshua was boom, right there, ready and willing. He showed up to his life and not to the life that he wanted it to be. He showed up to his life that God was was ordaining. So show up to the life that God has given you. 
Don't wait to show up to your life until it's the life that you want. Show up now, okay? Um, You have to be ready and willing. We have info about Joshua and his life in more than just the book of Joshua. We can see him in Exodus and Deuteronomy. And then, of course, in Joshua, he was always ready because he was always willing to do what God said to do. Joshua was always ready. Why? Because he was always willing to do what God said to do. So pointing the spear in the exact direction that the Lord told him to point it was easy peasy lemon squeezy for him because he already had the spear in his hand. The more you do the things God says to do, the easier it is to keep doing the things that God says to do. Can I say that again? It's so true. The more you do the things that God says to do, the easier it is to keep doing the things that God says to do. So what's the promise here? What is the promise here? Let me skip down in chapter 8 a little bit um, of the book of Joshua, chapter 8. I'm going to read verse 26. This is from the Amplified. For Joshua did not withdraw his hand with which he stretched out the spear until he had utterly destroyed the inhabitants of Ai. Joshua listened for the Lord. And then when the Lord spoke, he listened. He listened again and he did what the Lord said. Okay, so he's listening for the Lord. He's listening for the Lord. And then when the Lord starts speaking, he keeps listening. He's still listening. He's listening like even harder. And then he did what the Lord said to do. And he finished it with totality, not with partiality. Sometimes I finish with more partialness than totalness. You know what I mean? I finish it, but it's like, yeah, I just know. When they say your heart's not in it, that's kind of what they're talking about. Uh, And when I do that, I'm kind of wrong. I finished close enough. Gee whiz, I want to be done with this thing. Uh, versus like with totality, I finished that sucker. I finished that sucker. Joshua just kept holding out that spear that was in his hand directly toward AI, which was the next place they were told by God to conquer. He didn't move ahead of God. He didn't go around that particular city. Just this is what God says next. So it's next. I didn't, he didn't have to have some big strategic battle plan and plan out like a D-Day type invasion and what makes sense. Nope. He just went where God said to go and did what God said to do. He did not withdraw his hand until it was done. That word utterly in this verse, utterly is very fitting. Do you have anything that you need to be done with utterly? Is there anything you need to be utterly done with? Do you have something you know God wants you to do, but you're doing it partially and not totally? Hey, look, that's okay. This is, I'm about freedom, right? And sometimes the only way to get to freedom is to, to, um, realize, oh, I'm not as free here as I thought I was. So uh, what? Uh, this is not judgment. This is encouragement. What won't really be just okay is if you hear God's word today and then keep on not doing that thing totally. It's okay if you're like, oh yeah, I think maybe I'm doing this partially and not totally. Maybe my summer parenting is partial and not total. And maybe my heart for my coworker that I know the Lord wants me to pray for and, and, uh, you know, encourage and maybe even witness to, it's been pretty partial. It's not total. Uh, Is there, is there something you need to be done with utterly? Sure. Of course, this could be, you know, something really blatant and obvious. uh, But what if it's something you need to be done with utterly that maybe doesn't, that doesn't fall in the camp of sin, right? I mean, do you have an area where you're just really nervous and antsy and it gives way to fear? Do you need to be done with the nerves and the antsiness and the fear? Need to be utterly done with that? Think in those terms. Be willing to hear what the Lord will speak to you. So if you hear this and you keep on doing that thing anyway, or you keep on not doing that thing totally, but keep doing it partially, that would be sad. That would not be okay. Don't be partial anymore. Be total. Be utterly. 
Sometimes we've got to do the thing that God wants us to do, and then the victory comes. That's the promise that I find here. To not be so afraid anymore, to just do the thing. Hey, Jan, just do it utterly to slay that beast of partiality in my life and just do that thing. Do that thing with some ferocity, with some totality. Don't put that thing down just yet, my friend. God may have placed it in your hand for this exact season, for such a time as this. That's Esther 4.14. Don't even lower it. Don't lower your arm. Keep your eye on the prize, baby. That which the Lord has called you to point at the enemy, listen, until the enemy and all the inhabitants of that the enemy's domain are utterly destroyed, you keep pointing. And don't drop your arm. Don't even lower your arm, not even a teeny tiny little bit. Make giving up a non I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. It's an honor and a blessing to talk about God's promises with you. Have a fabulous day. And remember, part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Lord bless. I'll see you next time.